Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. If you have your Bible, turn it to John, the 11th chapter. We have been in a series called I Am. We're going through the different I Am statements of Jesus because I want to look at who is he. So many times we focus in on what he does, and that's wonderful. We need to understand what Jesus does. But beyond what he does and what he accomplishes, I want to know who he is. Because when I know who he is, I understand his nature. And you may say, well, why is that important? Because he says, anything you pray according to my name, it'll be done for you. Many times we think it's, oh, if I just say my prayer and then throw the name Jesus at the end of it, then that's what he's talking about. But he's not just talking about his name being Jesus, he's saying my name, he's talking about my nature. If you pray according to my nature, if you pray according to who I am, it will be done unto you. And so we've gone through several I am statements today. We're going to be talking about I am the resurrection and the life. Let's get into it. John 11, starting in verse 1. The Bible says, now a certain man was ill. Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, they sent to Jesus saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It may look like death, it may sound like death, it may smell like death, but it's not going to end in death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of Man, the Son of God may be glorified through it. I I want you to see that again. It is for the glory of God. It's not going to end in death. The purpose of this moment is to glorify God. I think a lot of times we, especially in more charismatic churches, we get really excited about the glory. We'll sing about the glory. But a lot of times when we're talking about the glory, what we're thinking about is clouds in the sky. We're thinking about gold dust falling out of the sky. Send me your glory. Send me your glory, not realizing that many times the glory of God comes in the midst of controversy. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Many of us, we want to live the victorious life that Jesus has given us, but we don't want to fight any battles. We want to have strong faith, but we don't want to have tested faith. But what you have to understand is many times your miracle will be preceded by a problem. Hello? Jesus is saying this moment, this pain that you're going through, this situation that looks like death is actually going to result in the glory of God, but you're going to have to endure the moment, and that's the difficult part. And that's why so many people will walk away from their faith when tough times come, 
It's because they receive Jesus Christ into their heart and their life, and then they think everything's going to be marshmallows, butterflies, and rainbows. Not realizing that this life brings pain. Not realizing that there is an enemy that is seeking to destroy you, and he will do everything within his ability to come after you. And so when those moments come, when the pain comes, when the pressure comes, when it feels like death is surrounding you, you've got to learn how to stand in your faith and say, although this pain is here, I believe a miracle is on the horizon. Although I don't understand what I'm going through, I don't know why I'm going through it, I believe that God is going to show me his glory in this moment. I'm going to see his glory in this season. Uh, if I want the miracle, at some point in time, I've got to be willing to walk through the problem. If I want the victory, at some point in time, I've got to be willing to face the giants that are standing in my way. I can't avoid them. I can't ignore them. I've got to face them head on, Anthony, realizing that if I'll face it, if I'll fight it, if I'll press, God is with me, and I will see his glory. Turn to the person next to you and say, you want to see his glory? And get ready for some stuff. Get ready for some stuff. I'm just being honest with you. Get ready for some stuff. Somebody told me years ago, they said, one of the worst prayers I ever prayed was, God, make me like Job. Because they spent the next season of their life walking through some real trouble. Now, they came out on the other side strong, but they went through it. Sometimes we've got to be willing, what I'm trying to say is we've got to be willing to go through the process of the pain. We, we've got to be willing to go through the test and the trial that strengthens our faith, knowing that it's producing something in us. And so really, it, it, it's going to boil down to our perspective. When problems come, is it the problem that's going to destroy me, or is it the problem that's going to give me an opportunity to see God move? What would happen if we changed the way we saw the issues in our life? What if instead of waking up and seeing the issues that, that are coming our way as the thing that's going to destroy us, what if we started seeing it as the thing that's going to be the opportunity for me to see God move? The thing that is going to strengthen my faith. The thing that is going to propel me into the next season of my life. John 11 verse 5 now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Are you catching that? Jesus loves Mary. He loves Martha. He loves Lazarus. They're buddies. They hang out. They spend time with each other at, at their homes eating together, partying together. They're good friends. They love one another. When Jesus hears about the problem, he says, I'm going to stay. I'm not going right now. Here's something I want you to understand, and this will help you. God, first off, he hears every prayer of the believer. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, when you pray, he hears you. I don't have time to take you scripturally through that right now, but he hears you. Turn to the person next to you and say, he hears you. The second thing you need to know is when he hears you, he answers you. Sometimes we feel like God ignores us. And the reason we feel like he's ignoring us is because he's just not answering us the way we want to be answered. So this will help you when you understand that Jesus answers every prayer. Turn to the person next to you and say, he answers every prayer. Here's what we got to understand. 
Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is no. And sometimes the answer is not now. Wait. I heard somebody say wait. That's absolutely right. I mean, I know that I have kids. When my kids come to me and they say, Daddy, can I have ice cream? You can tell by the looks of me that I like ice cream. It's something that I want to do. I want to do it with my kids. So most of the time when my kids say, can I have ice cream, the answer is going to be what? Yes. Now, if they come to me around 11 p.m. and they say, Daddy, can I have ice cream, what's my answer going to be? No. If my 12-year-old daughter says, Dad, there's this guy that wants to take me on a date to eat some ice cream, what's my answer going to be? Hell no. No. (laughs) Not now. Not now. Why? Because as a father, I know what is best for my child. And so in this moment, this is important. Jesus loves Mary. He loves Martha. He loves Lazarus. There's a problem that Jesus can fix, but instead of going immediately to the place where Lazarus is, he says, not now. Why? Because there is a time and a season for everything. There is an appointed time and an appointed season for every single thing to happen in your life, and you've got to trust that God is good and he's good at his job. You have to trust that not only does he know the answer you need, but he knows when you need it. Because hear what I'm saying, the right thing in the wrong season is not a blessing, it is a burden. Can I say that again? The right thing in the wrong season is not a blessing, it is a burden. Marriage is a blessing of God if it's done in the right season of your life. Children are a blessing from God when it is done in the proper season of your life. So many times through Scripture where people mess up is when they start wanting to push God's timing. Right season, wrong thing, not going to work. Right thing, wrong season, that's not going to work either. My grandfather, he loved apple pie. Anybody like apple pie? Throw some ice cream on it, make it a la mode. There is a God in heaven somewhere. He loved apple pie, and so some of the people in his church knew that he liked apple pie. He was their pastor, so from time to time they would make him these pies. Well, one day this lady from his church invited him over to her house for some apple pie. She cut him a slice, slid it in front of him, and she wanted to watch my grandfather eat this apple pie. And my grandfather had a way of eating that made you desire whatever he had, even if it was sardines with mustard. He was just that kind of guy. He just, he just enjoyed what he ate, and it made it seem like it would be pleasant to you. And so she's going to watch him eat this apple pie that she made for him. She cuts him a big slice, slides it in front of him, and he digs into this apple pie, and as he draws it close to his mouth and takes the bite, his face goes from delight to disgust. Here's what the lady realized later. She accidentally used salt instead of sugar. It was the right pie. It was the wrong season. So now now I want you to apply that to your life. Many of us, we pray for things that are good things. Many of us pray for things that are 
God absolutely wants us to have it, but in his mercy, he is saying, not now. Have you ever considered that maybe God has something better for you than you're actually thinking about in the moment? Something better than you're actually going for in the moment, and if you'll learn to be patient and wait and understand that God is ordering my steps, he's directing my paths, I'm not in this life aimlessly, then maybe I'll step into the thing that God has for me and it will be a blessing and not a burden. The right thing in the wrong season is not a blessing, it is a burden. Turn to the person next to you and say, don't do that. Verse 7 in John 11, after Jesus decides he's going to delay, after Jesus decides he's going to wait instead of running to help his friend out, the Bible says, Jesus says to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. Are you going to go there again? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. I took time with this verse this week because I, I started praying. I was like, God, what, what are you saying here? Because it seemed like a random story in the midst of this moment. Jesus is saying, I'm going to go to see Lazarus. And they're like, are you really going to go there? Last time you were there, they tried to kill you. And then Jesus throws this thing in there. And he says, are there not 12 hours in the day? And I thought, yes. And then he says, if anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble. And so as I began to pray and I began to think and I began to meditate on this verse, I realized what Jesus was saying is, I'm not going into this situation blindly. I understand the cost of where I'm going and I'm willing to pray the, pay the price. I understand that by going to help Lazarus and going to help Mary and going to help Martha, that it is going to cost me dearly. As a matter of fact, this is the miracle that sets his crucifixion into motion. And Jesus knew that going into this situation. And what I want you to understand is he lays his life down on the line for you. He lays his life down on the line for you. He does not back away. He's willing to press in because he understands the cost. He understood the mission and he said, we've got to go. Verse 11, after saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant he was taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. He dead. He gone. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had been already dead in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Did you not get the email I sent? 
letting you know that the guy that you care about, your buddy, is dying. If you would have been here, he would be alive. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. I want to come back to that part at the end of the sermon, but let's proceed to verse 28. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here, and he is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. I want you to know that Jesus is moved by what moves you. Jesus is touched by what touches you. He is not a far-off, distant, cosmic being. He is a personal, intimate Savior. He wants to be a friend. He wants to be the friend that sticks closer than the brother. So he sees what they're going through, although he knows he's the solution. You, you do get this. Like, Jesus isn't, like, going into this thing blindly going, well, I mean, I'm here, Lazarus is dead, we'll, we'll just figure it out. We'll, we'll just see how it goes or where it goes from here. He knows exactly what's going to happen. He knows that Lazarus is going to come back from the dead, yet at the same time, he is still moved by what is moving Mary. He is still touched by what touches her. God's heart is moved by what moves you. He has compassion towards us. So then, verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Verse 36, so the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. How many of you do grocery shopping? When you grocery shop, do you look at the expiration date on your stuff? You want to find the milk that's going to last the longest. And so this expiration date kind of gives us an idea of when the product is going to go bad. And I'm wondering, like, at what point in time is, is it, like, too far? You know, for instance, if, what's today, October the 9th? 
if my milk expired on October the 8th, is it still okay for breakfast this morning? By a show of hands, how many of you say yes? You like the party. You know what I'm saying? You're like, you're the fun bunch. You're like, let's just see, let's just see how this thing ends. How many of you are like, you're like, at midnight, as soon as it hits October 9th, you're like, I'm getting rid of this. How many of you are like that by a show of hands? Yeah, yeah, we got all different kinds of people, you know. But it's like, the, the, the whole question I have is like, how, how far is too far? It's like a day late, too late. Is it like three days late? That's too late. You know, four days past the expiration date, too far. In Mary and Martha's case, like how dead is too dead? Like Jesus shows up to the tomb. Obviously, Lazarus is dead. And he's like, hey, roll the stone away. And they're like, he's been there four days. Like two days dead? Yeah, I think you could do that. Three days, maybe. You know, like last night around midnight, if you would have rolled in here, Jesus, possibly. But it's four days. He's gone, and he stinks. Here's the question I want to ask. How far gone is too far gone for God? When it comes to what you're praying for, when it comes to what you're believing for, how far is too far? I think sometimes we make the mistake of putting an expiration date on our miracle. God, here's what I need, and here's when I need it by. And I trust God. I trust that you will bring this into my life but it needs to happen before I'm 30 years old. And if it doesn't happen before I'm 30 years old, I'm going to lose my mind, I'm going to freak out, I'm going to complain, I'm going to moan, I'm going to groan, I'm going to cry all the time. Hello? Why? Because there's an expiration date on what you're praying for. We need to go back to the fact that God's timing is better than ours. He understands the end from the beginning. There is an appointed time and an appointed season. So I need to know that when I am praying for something, I'm not going to put an expiration date on it. I'm going to keep on praying. I'm going to keep on believing until I finally step into it. It doesn't matter how far gone it seems to be. It doesn't matter how smelly it seems to be. I'm not going to give up. You want to know one of the biggest problems we have in the church today is people give up and walk away from their harvest before they ever see it. They plant a seed, and when it doesn't grow within the time that they felt it should grow, they leave the field. How many times do we do that in our personal life? I pray for something, I believe for something, but it doesn't happen when I thought it should happen, or it doesn't happen in the way I thought it should happen, and I walk away, and I leave the miracle laying there in the field. One of the biggest points that we can grab from this story is with God, nothing's too late because it's on his timetable anyway. When he shows up, when he steps in, when he moves, everything begins to change. And I feel like there's somebody in here that needs to hear that today because there's something that you've been believing for, there's something that you've been praying for, and you're getting frustrated because you haven't seen it happen yet. The Bible says, do not get weary in well-doing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't get weary in well-doing. What does that mean? Keep on doing what you know to do well. Keep on praying. Keep on believing. Because in due season, there it is again, in due season, you will reap if 
It's a big if. You will reap if you don't give up, if you don't back down, if you don't walk away. Faith is not a one and done. Faith is a lifestyle. Faith is something that we have to live out every moment and every second of our life, and we can never look at the circumstance. Too many of us miss out on what God wants to do in our life because we look at the circumstance. We see the dead body. We see the tomb. We see the stone. We think about how smelly it is, and we never even apply our faith to it. How far gone is too gone? Verse 40, Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen straps and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Now let's go back because this is the part we need to see because the I am statement is I am the resurrection and the life. In verse 23, Jesus tells Martha, your brother will rise again. He will live again. And she responds by saying, yeah, I believe that he will rise again in the resurrection in the last day. The Jewish people believed that there would be a resurrection in the last day. And that's the event she's looking for. She believes that God will at some point in the future bring Lazarus back in the sweet by and by, in the eternity, all that stuff. And Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Resurrection is not an event. Resurrection is a man. Resurrection is not something you have to wait for. Resurrection is something that you can experience right here, right now. We have to understand this, that we are all dead in our trespasses and sins. Every single one of us. And the result of sin is death. The Bible says in the book of Romans, the wages of sin is death. And so because of sin, we are all born into this death realm. We're all just walking dead, walking through this life really aimlessly. Without Jesus, our life has no purpose. I want to say that. When he says, I am the light of the world, which we talked about a few weeks ago, he is saying, I am the one that shows you the way. I am the one that gives you vision for your life. If you do not know Jesus, you will not have a clear vision of your life. You'll go through life, you'll do a lot of things, but they really make no difference. You can build a nice home, makes no difference. Bob, you can build a huge business, makes no difference. You can put your kids through college with zero debt, makes no difference. All wonderful things to do, all things that we should go after in life, but really, bottom line, it makes no 
difference because without Jesus you are still lost without Jesus you are living life aimlessly and not walking in the purpose for which you were created for so we're all dead in our trespasses and sins the wages of that sin is death and death comes for us all not just physically but spiritually and that's the death that we need to really consider many of us were fearful of of the death of this body right but we never consider the future death. Jesus says, Lazarus is not dead, he's just asleep. What's he trying to say? Although he's not in this body, he is present with the Lord because that's what happens for a believer. The moment you die, you stand in the presence of the Lord. The Apostle Paul says to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. You're not lying in a sleep state in the coffin until the resurrection. You are immediately in the presence of God. But for those that have not put their faith in Jesus, when you die this physical death, you are also going to die the spiritual death where you are eternally separated from God, from his love, from his mercy, from his goodness. Hear what I'm saying. Hell is not like this party place where they're going to be playing Metallica, you know, 24-7. Some of us think like, well, hell's where the fun people are going to go, man. That's not hell. Hell is eternal separation from your creator who is love which means you experience zero love who is comfort which means you experience zero comfort outside of his presence jesus is saying that's that's what we need to key in on right here i am the resurrection and the life yes i can make physical bodies live again but more than making physical bodies rise again i make the spiritually dead live at the moment you say yes to Jesus. At the moment you say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that I am lost without you. I believe that there is nothing I can do on my own apart from you. At that moment, Jesus calls your name and says, come out. And then when you come out, he begins to unwrap you. The things that have bound you, the things that have held you back, the, the face covering that's covered you so that you cannot see is removed. And now I have a new life and now I have a new vision. Now I am able to walk in my purpose because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. That's what we're celebrating today when we do baptism. We're celebrating that they were dead, but now they've met the resurrection. When we go into the waters of baptism, it represents our death with Christ, our burial with Christ, and our resurrection to new life. You can experience a resurrection today. Everything can change today. And I'm not, hear me, I am not talking about a religion. I am not talking about a religious system. I am talking about the creator, God, who wants to know you, who is calling you by name, and he is waiting for you to respond to the call. He is waiting for you to get up and walk out of death and into life, out of darkness and into his marvelous light. He is the resurrection and the life. I want to pray for you, but before I do that, I want to dismiss those who are going to get ready to be baptized. I want to dismiss you to get ready. And for those of you who remain and those of you who are watching online, 
I want to pray with you. Whatever it is that you're going through today, I want to give you an opportunity to have Jesus meet you there. I want to give you the opportunity to see him move in your life. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you have never received Jesus Christ into your heart and your life, this moment is for you. Maybe you grew up in a religious system going to church, but you've never truly received him. You've never truly received life from him. This moment is for you. So I'm going to ask that if that person is you, I just want you to take your hand and lay it over your heart. And we're going to pray together. Father, I thank you for touching every heart and every life today. I thank you for moving and touching them and doing what only you can do. Lord, I thank you for turning things around today. Ma'am, it's your first time here. You're wearing like a scarf around your neck. I think it's got like a flowery pattern on it. I think I heard you say your name was Lisa on the way through the door. I was stalking you on the way into the auditorium. I feel like there's going to be a turnaround for you today. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that means. But when I was praying, I feel like God is saying I'm going to turn it around. And I'm going to come into agreement with you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, you know the desire of her heart. Lord, you know the thing that she's going through. God, the thing that seems like it may be too far gone. The thing that seems like it's been in the tomb too long. God, right now in this moment, I'm asking that you would bring a resurrection. I'm asking that you would bring a turnaround. Lord, I'm asking that you would begin to Give her the ability to dream again. God, fill her with joy unspeakable. God, fill her with peace and fill her with comfort. God, I'm asking that your hand would be on her life to bless her. God, I'm asking that your hand would be on her life to bring increase to her. And Father, the pain of their past God, the pain of the things that they have walked through, Lord, I'm asking that you would show them that there is a better tomorrow for them. You're not defined by your past. So touch her right now in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray that for every single person in this room, for every single person that is going through a moment in their life, that they need your help. God, I'm asking that you would help them. I'm asking that you would assist them. Oh God, I thank you for healing those that are sick. I thank you for touching the brokenhearted. I thank you for binding up all their wounds. Lord, let your joy fill your people today. Let your peace fill your people today.